Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Joelle. Today, we are joined by Jason Bender of Cheetah Gym. Jason is a master trainer who believes every workout should have a plan in mind, not just a bunch of exercises. As a black belt, he incorporates martial arts training into his classes so students feel an improvement in flexibility, stress relief, and confidence. You can work out with Jason at Cheetah Gym at 5248 North Clark. Welcome, Jason. Thanks How for are you me. today? I'm great. Thank you. Um, so we like to kind of start out with you just telling us a little bit about yourself and your background, where you're originally from, if you're not from here. Maybe we should tell everyone where we are. Oh, yeah. So we're live in Cheetah Gym's, it looks like spin room up here. Um, Laura and I are sitting on large exercise balls as we record this, um, which is quite fun. Um, so yeah, we're on location at Cheetah Gym, which is unique. Uh, welcome. Yeah, so... Um, I am originally from Northwest Ohio in a small town most people have never heard of, 20 minutes east of Fort Wayne, Indiana. That might be a town some people have heard of. It's the second biggest city in Indiana. That, and still, so that's how small my hometown is, is that Fort Wayne was the big city to us. Um, I went to Bowling Green State University as an education major. After three or so, yeah, about three years there, I moved my way to Chicago. My girlfriend at the time got accepted to UIC, so I visited Chicago, and immediately, since I was have been into martial arts, uh, at the minimum interested my whole life, and then dabbled throughout, and in college I was training, tr training pretty seriously, I knew immediately who I wanted to visit when I came here, and I planned it out ahead of time, and I visited those places, and proceeded to drop out of college the next semester, and moved to Chicago, and couch surf for about a year, and then, Finally got on my feet enough to, you know, become a, uh, uh, become uh, successful at a at a crunch gym, and then um, and then I went to another gym, and then finally found Cheetah, and it, it's only 15 minutes from home, and I love the neighborhood. I just I, I really finally for the first time in, in my life I have felt at home since I've been in this gym and in this neighborhood, and my wife and I live in East Rogers Park right now. And so I'm only 15 minutes away from, from work by bike. So I come and go. I, I'm here seven days a week because I'm so close to home that a day off just doesn't even make sense to me. And how long have you been here at Cheetah Gym? Um, so first I used to only teach group exercise classes. So there was just that time for, what, what am I looking at? Three or four years where I did that. But then three or four years ago, two, three years ago, I think, I brought all of my business over when the gym that I was doing my my one-on-one -on -one training and teaching the martial arts classes where I taught kids jujitsu and everything, um, that gym closed down. So I just brought all my business over here. And I, time for me is just so weird. I think it's like three years ago. I'm not sure. So. And how many classes do you teach a week and, and talk about your classes a little okay, bit. Okay, so first I teach um, for just regular you know, fitness classes. I teach Mondays and Fridays are 6 a.m. what I call functional fitness classes. These are your brushing your teeth, your, your dental, the, the dental care of fitness. It, it, they're the exercises that I believe every person should do to be strong and to have a well-functioning body. We start with 15 minutes of mobility work every single class, every single joint gets warmed up in every direction that it can move. And depending on the workout, I might concentrate a little more on certain movements or certain parts of the body that I know are gonna be worked more, but 15 or so minutes of mobility work, then 45 minutes of hard work after that, okay? Then on Wednesdays and Fridays at 5.30 p.m., I teach Muay Thai kickboxing. Muay Thai kickboxing is uh, what we call the art of eight limbs is what it's called. It is, 
it's a martial art where it is a, like a mix of boxing and most people just think of kickboxing, right? So punches, kicks, knees, and elbows. We do not hit each other here at Andersonville. Um, I haven't really had too much of a request. Hey, I have had a couple people ask. They're like, hey, can I put on some headgear and spar with anyone? And I'm like, it's not really kind of where I'm gearing right now. Plus, I'm, I, with CTE and everything, I'm not even too much into the sparring aspect. So before people get scared away, but we are hitting the kick pads very safe we hold these large kick pads and 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 punch mitts and things like that and we learn the the martial art that i that i first fell in love with so i've been training muay thai myself for about 20 years and it's it's really fun it's just, it just is it's just therapy like everybody calls it therapy because you're just hitting it out you're mad at your boss good hit that pad even harder then right so then on sundays i just have like an overall athletic class sundays at 9 a.m it's just I just throw everything out there. I just train you like you're an athlete and I just try to make everybody sweat as much as possible, right? Um, all kinds of different exercises. And then right now I have three classes a week, Tuesdays, we just added Tuesdays, 6 a.m. Thursdays, 6 a, excuse me, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, 6 a.m. Thursdays at 6 p.m. I teach Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, grappling, self-defense. The difference, what is the difference between Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu? Jiu-Jitsu happens when someone grabs you and what do you do from there? I can no longer strike the person with efficiency because they are too close to me. I don't have that space to hit them with a fist, elbow, knee, anything like that to make it effective. So now I need to know how to grapple. I need to know how to ideally create space and get away from the person. Fine, that person hasn't let me get, get away. What do I do from there? Well, everybody had the, the human body is a wonderful thing, but it has its limitations, right? The joint can only bend a certain way. I teach you how to put your body in a safe place while the bad guy, while their joint moves in the opposite direction. Or my favorite way of ending any self-defense scenario. Well, first one is a 40 yard dash. If you can get away, great. But if we cannot, a strangle, a choke, I will teach you how to put a bad guy out by cutting off the blood supply. Sounds scary. The cool thing about jujitsu is this. I could put you in one of these holds right now and you, you're safe. All you do is you tap my arm three times and I let go. You feel you're like, oh, oh, my arm's pretty straight right now. You tap and I let go. And we practice these moves over and over again very, very safely. And then after a while, you start getting confidence and we start stringing these moves together. I'll go, okay, somebody grabs a hold of you. What do you do? And we go through that over and over and over again and add on to these moves. And my thought process has always been, I want people that when they work out with me, they not only get full fitness, they get range of motion, flexibility, strength, but they also can defend themselves and not just in a boxing way, not just in kickboxing, not just in jujitsu, where you know I want my, my people to be well-rounded in all aspects. I, I, it's always better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. That's the way I figure it. And you offer um, self-defense classes for adults and children. Yes. Correct? Oh, yes. Thank yeah. you for reminding what, what, me. Yes. Um, what do your classes for kids look like? So Saturdays and Sundays at 10 a.m. Now, those classes, I try to make a little more fun and a little more about, um, a little more about helping each other out. I try to teach the little kids how to work with a partner. So, for example, if I have a really big kid, I might put that, that kid with a really small kid on purpose. It lets the little kid... Uh, you know, toughen up a little bit and, you know, 
learn how to use their body against someone bigger, then it also teaches that bigger kid how to work with someone smaller than themselves and take care of that person. It is not about hurting that person, it's about helping them, right? We, we need our training partners to come back every week. We take care of each other. And it teaches that older kid how to be a teacher. At, a, at seven years old, I have kids teaching five-year-olds. So, and, and the, so the first thing we go through is more how to fall properly. You know, how, to, how do we fall without getting hurt? Look at the, the statistics on falling. If I could teach everybody how to fall from birth properly, the, med, the medical care, uh, f um, the healthcare industry would go broke, right? It's just so many falls, right? I've broken my arm from falling when I was a kid, right? So, and then, then we get into more, as they get a little older and we start understanding, I don't want to scare them when they're too young with bullying, but what are we looking at? Around seven, eight years old or so, the reality is there and they may have already dealt with it. How do we deal with a bully verbally? And I try to go through that whole process of, look, they're not necessarily a bad person because they're seven, eight, nine years old. I go, they're not a bad person. They're trying to figure out how to act. And for how somehow, some way, maybe they saw this. Maybe, uh, maybe things just aren't right for them at home. Maybe things are perfect for them at home and they're just, you know, we, we have our hormones, you know? We don't know how to act when we're young. So I tell them, I'm like, look, be nicer to that bully. And I give them uh, things to say to a person and, and, and how to plead to their, to what is making that person be mean to you when they're seven and eight years old and how to turn this around and become that person's friend later. And I've told them, I said, I've had times in my life where um, when I was a kid, someone that I didn't get along with for a while is to this day at, at 41 years old is one of my best friends, you know? So as we're young, just relax a little bit and let's not, you know, other martial arts, like when I was a kid, my sensei was like, if a bully picks on you, you sidekick them in the stomach, they won't do it again. Well, that's a life lesson, sure. But do we need to teach our seven-year-olds that? No. Well, Jason, we wanted to um, kind of go back and talk about your accreditations a little bit. And you have a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, correct? Yes. And then you have um, the rank of blue under the World Muay Thai Organization. Can you tell us about what that means? Okay. So it's a weird thing because Muay Thai technically doesn't have rank at all. Okay. So a, a, a Muay Thai instructor can, though, kind of create their own system of telling their students because because what is rank in martial arts what is it what is your degree in and who is it from and what does that stand right what does it even mean so if you have a degree from a college that you know we all know which colleges are better than others right well saint martial arts are no different so i could make and i could very easily right now start bender martial arts and get out, give out my own belt ranking system and it's it, it is a legitimate as it is you know because i've been doing this a long time but uh, so Muay Thai is kind of similar where they've realized that nowadays it's it's not a bad idea to tell your students How they're doing so first of all, there's Muay Thai right there. That's kind of and my, my instructor has done that He's given us a little ranking system And it is being recognized by the world Muay Thai uh, Association so Now then the black belt in jiu-jitsu now jiu-jitsu has it it it, uh, it originated in Japan uh, under judo a judo uh, a judo instructor came to Brazil to make a very very long story as short as possible There's a whole fascinating story behind this that we that could be a whole podcast in and of itself is the story of Brazilian jiu-jitsu There's actually a documentary coming out very soon that explains it, but to keep it simple Japanese gentleman who literally mo uh, moved around the world in the early 1900s uh, when circuses had a tough man who would when they would travel from country to country state to state, whatever, 
the tough man would find the, the toughest guy in town and they would have a fight. That's how professional wrestling started. That's how boxing kind of started and all these things. This gentleman was an undefeated gentleman by the name, by the name of Mitsuyu Maeda. He, and then he kind of settled in Brazil as he got older. That's why he's one of the reasons apparently that, Bra Rio, or that Brazil has the second largest population of Japanese people in the world outside of Japan. So he taught these Brazilian guys uh, judo and various methods of hurting people. And these, Bra these Brazilians really marketed themselves and took fighting to another place. And my instructor comes from that family, this, this original family of Brazilians that learned uh, long ago. And he moved to Chicago years ago. And that's one, he's one of the people that when I visited from college, I immediately went to his school. I didn't care about seeing the Sears Tower. I didn't care about anything. I was like, I wanted to go see Carlson Gracie Jr. Like, and that's, he's, you know, if you were to think I'm, I'm into basketball and I want to go see LeBron James or something like that, imagine there's a whole family of Jordans. My instructor would be in that family of Jordans. Well, that's an amazing history. It's, it gets crazier. This family has like my, my instructor's family. The family tree is insane. By far, it is the, the largest family and most influential family in martial arts history. Every single, almost every single member of his family are world-renowned grapplers. It's, in, it's nuts. In jiu-jitsu, there's only five belts. Only five. And, well, well, technically. After black, there's ceremonial belts. But let's say at, at black belt, we'll call black belt the last belt for, for, for the layman's terms, right? So there's white, blue, purple, brown, black. That's it. And in jujitsu, you cannot get a blue belt until you are 16 or older. They do not believe in giving children black belts. Other martial arts do, and that's fine. Jujitsu, you can't get the first adult belt until you're 15. So right now, my kids, when I give them rank, they can't get their blue belt. They get gray belts. They get yellow belts, orange belts, these kind of things, right? So it took me 16 years to get my black belt. So when I was trying to build my martial arts program here, and I was telling parents, because there's a daycare here, I would tell parents, oh, you're bringing your kid into the daycare. I would love for your child to try out my jujitsu program. Oh, my kid is already a black belt. And I'd go, oh, how old is your child? 10. I'd be like, oh, really? That's great. How is your child at 10 a black belt? That kind of hurts my brain a little bit. No offense to any other martial art. But you, when you think black belt, you should think someone that is an expert in that field, right? So white, blue, purple, brown, black. At, I got my blue belt from Carlson Gracie Sr. And then he passed away. And then I've gotten purple, brown, and black from Junior. Senior, is get, they're getting ready to put up a statue of him in Rio, Rio de Janeiro right off of Copacabana Beach. That's how important of a man he is. I did not know that about the different, different types of martial arts and the belts, but I think that makes complete sense um, that you, know, you have to mature to a certain point before you can excel to that skill level. Um, and in this sort of tangent, we know that you started competing in martial arts in 1999 and were a Chicago Golden Gloves semifinalist in 2007. Do you still participate in competitions today? I, I do, um, but I, again, I've gotten, as the information about CTE has come out, I, you know, I really wanna keep my brain in check, so I've gotten away from the kickboxing and the boxing. If I'm gonna do any kickboxing boxing, I, I'm gonna spar so lightly that if the glove touches my nose, it wouldn't kill a fly, right, that kind of thing. So when I do what that's the, another beauty of jujitsu and grappling is my, my training partner and I could go pretty much 100% with each other and try to make the other person, like I said, tap what we call tapping out. You're, you're extending my arms so far and I can't move, I tap. You have your arms around my neck, I can't breathe, I tap. It's really that simple. And that's it. After I tap out, most of the time, I, everything's fine. At the end of our role, we could be 
dead tired. We've had people come in after running marathons and say, well, I just ran a marathon. I completed that goal. I thought I'd try some martial arts. And they, I've seen this a couple times. It's kind of funny. They will be, so imagine, they ran a marathon. They do one round of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and they go, I think something's wrong. I think I'm having an asthma attack. Of course, they're not saying it like this. I don't want to be so dramatic on the podcast, but they're, I can't believe what's going on. I just ran a marathon. What's, and they're, they're panicking. And we're like, different cardio system and a different, you are now in a fight or flight thing. If I let, just simply laid on top of you, what would you do? You would freak out. 99% of the population would be like, this is not cool with me. That's what jujitsu teaches you. What are you gonna do in, in a scenario where someone has you in a position of panic? I was just gonna say my frame of reference for Muay Thai is um, Jean-Claude Van Damme's old kickboxing movie, which was like <laughs> classic, a favorite of mine growing up. So I just like loved when like all of the like kind of torture that he got put through during his training when he was like having to kick the tree until he it's was very like exaggerated so but yeah exaggerated, that's how right? so many so many of us like if it wasn't for movies like Bloodsport you know Bruce Lee Enter the Dragon that was my real you know at 41 years old that is exactly what got me into wanting to do martial arts then you find out how real training goes but you know like I said in our tournaments now like I, I go to a jiu-jitsu tournament we're wearing our uh, we're wearing our, our uniform out there I bow onto the mat I bow to my opponent I slap his hands we bump fists and we we wrestle basically if you what people think of wrestling where the end game is to make the other person tap and afterwards I have made lifelong friends afterwards because we're not punching each other no matter how friendly you try to make boxing and kickboxing I am still punching you in the face and in the, in the end of the day I'm still like you you got me how dare you <laughs> this is Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Joelle. This episode is brought to you by Chicago sales coach Paul Baraz of Trainwreck Solutions. His new workshop series, Sales Made Simple, occurs monthly every fourth Thursday from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at 5153 North Clark, room 228. Don't miss the upcoming workshop on September 26th. Walk away with at least one new idea to take your business to the next level. Sign up now at trainwrecksolutions.com or email Paul at paulbaraz at gmail.com. Joelle, how do you become a sponsor? Well, Laura, any of our chamber member businesses or a business considering becoming a member can email us directly for sponsorship information at info at andersonville.org. We offer sponsorship for both one episode or four episodes in a row. We are always looking for new sponsors, and we also encourage listener feedback. So if you have a guest you'd like to see on the show, please email us at info at andersonville.org. You can also email us with questions, comments, or general neighborhood inquiries. We look forward to hearing from you. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share Always Andersonville, the podcast on iTunes. Well, you have a clear philosophy that workouts are supposed to be uncomfortable and push you to your limit. Talk about that a little bit more and what it means to work hard during one of your workouts. So it's, it is an interesting thing that in any success ever for anyone in any field ever, they have had to go through discomfort, pick the discomfort, studying for hours on end, you know, pick, pick whatever it is, right? That is the only way we grow. We do not grow from being comfortable. Okay. Well, you could use the, well, I got to, I grow when I rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know. We know. Of course, get your sleep too. We understand that. But we're talking about during the workout, the only way 
to, to truly find out what you're made of as a human being is to push yourself. And one of the ways meditatively, cause I've in the, my martial arts training, I've, you know, dabbled in Buddhism and all these things and Taoism and tried to really understand because right for, for me in my martial arts training, I don't have to prove anymore how tough I am. That was really the beginning of my martial arts training. I was a little skinny kid who came from a broken home who was bullied and I wanted to feel powerful. I wanted to feel like I could, you know, I could, I was there, you know, it still makes me emotional. It really does. So yes, the, the way that I got into martial arts was I, I wanted to feel, I wanted to feel powerful. And the, the only way to get good at things like this is to really push yourself, take yourself to that limit. And most people have not experienced their 10. Most people I feel haven't really experienced their six or seven. Yeah, and I'd like to let them find that. There's a term called muscle failure. Can you oh, talk yeah. about that more and what people should be feeling in their body when they're experiencing muscle failure? So that's it. That's it. They're, they're really getting into si the science of this right now. And there is an argument in fitness about this. So when I, when I talk about this right now, know that the science is back and forth on this a little bit, but you do want to push your body to a point where you maybe can't do the next repetition but we don't want to do that workout all the time. Not every, and I'm not saying every workout needs to be a 10. You don't want every workout to be a 10. You do want to insert 10s once, depending on how good a shape you're in, right? You do want to make a 10 once or twice a week, but that's not an every time thing. You want, mo you know, so you want maybe two 10s a week. And then you want a, a couple of sixes. And then you want a couple, a five in there, you know? So you want to kind of feel what's working for you and you need to adjust it as you are getting in shape. It's been explained to me, you kind of just look at your energy as that, as a one through 10, and you gotta see where you feel. You might have it set that Monday is your 10 workout because that's where you're gonna feel the freshest, and then one day you wake up and you're not feeling well. Well, what are you gonna do then? Well, that day should probably be your three or four. If you're not contagious or you know, vomiting or anything, then go to, still probably go to the gym, unless you think you're contagious, don't go to the gym, but go. Do a three or four, do something light. And then the next day you'll probably feel better and then you can do your 10. So really, you know, pay attention to your body. And, Absolutely. And not kind of get down on yourself if you're not feeling like a 10 on a day that your, you know, schedule says you should be at a Absolutely. Five. But there's also a trick to that. Our bodies and minds lie to us every minute of every day. Not today, not today. There's a few people out there. If you look at, <clears throat> excuse me, if you listen to podcasts, there's two gentlemen out there right now that are making people pick up heavier weights and run further, David Goggins and Jocko Willink. Now, these two gentlemen are retired Navy SEALs. So we already know these are people that they're have like already... weak. And, oh. Yeah, probably totally out of shape. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're just... They really understand the power of the Dorito. So... <laughs> but, cool Ranch or Nacho Cheese. Oh, yeah. Bring it on, right? Um, but... And they, they believe that there is no need for a light day. He's like, oh, your light day should be the day that you run eight miles instead of 10. How about that? You know, it's a, it's a different thing. But again, I don't know if that's a sustainable plan for most of us. Do you have any kind of pre-workout tips, like what should folks kind of put in their body before kind of a, a 10 day, um, you know, not to weigh you down, but to kind of sustain you throughout the workout? Like what is your, what are your tips for, for that? Consistency, consistency. Do it every single day at the exact same time. And uh, 
play around with intermittent fasting, I would say. Uh, again, I, I play around with it, and I've actually done it naturally my, most of my life, and people always thought it was crazy that I prefer to wake up in the morning and crush the day by just, you know, I wake up with a cup of coffee, and then I just drink water until about 1 p.m., and it feels good for me because I don't want to feel heavy. There, there's this, uh, there's this the, the lion doesn't eat when it's full, or the lion doesn't hunt when it's full, right? So maybe... That's another thing is when you wake up, you don't have to think about breakfast. Go work out. Go train. Use that time to exercise. If you can't go to the gym, find some way to do it at home. The people that get it done in the morning, it's done. Nothing's going to get in your way. No meeting is going to go over. If you can in any way, shape, or form to do it in the morning, do it in the morning. But no, I don't. If you, there's too much preparation. As much as I'm not really a big fan of the shoe personally, just do it might be the greatest slogan of all time. Just do it. So this next question is um, particularly pertinent for us on the podcast right now. Um, I am carrying a baby, so we know that you are also pre- and postnatal fitness certified. So what types of exercises do you give pregnant women like me to help them with the transition in their body um, before birth? after birth and everything in between for the recovery there's basically two things you have to think about have you done it before you got pregnant and are you going to fall down those are the two most important things that's you pretty can much think about. what i'm always thinking about. that's it right 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 so maybe this is not the time to start jujitsu so no. maybe 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 after you have the baby and everything we can talk but right now is not the time right but uh i have i can send you video of a woman right now she is having her second baby this Saturday, I believe. She is scheduled to have her second baby since I've trained her. And I have a video of her when she was pregnant with her first baby at, I think she was about 13 months pregnant. <laughs> no, but she was, <laughs> she was, yeah, right. No, she was really, but she was, she was, far along. yeah, she was about eight months along and she's kickboxing with me. Punches, kicks, knees, moving. Why? Because we did it the whole time before. So there's your, there's your answer. And any specific tips, um, you know, if, if someone was to come to you, this is my first baby, um, how do I get my body ready for the epicness that is birth? Are there specific uh, exercises you give them or stretches that they could implement if they hadn't done them before? Honestly, not too much because mm -hmm. the way that I train people now, it, your, whatever else you have going on shouldn't matter that much. Because I train the body completely. We don't, I don't believe in today's bicep and back day. That was the way I grew up w learning how to work out in high school was the split routine and things like that. And it's fine if you train that way. I'm not saying it's bad necessarily. Um, but I think every workout should be a, a total body workout. And I believe you should work all ranges of motion. I think you should be strong in weak positions. I think you should be able to, one of the most important things you should learn how to do before and you even think about getting pregnant is one, how to fall properly. Because if, what if you do fall? Well, you better know how to fall properly, right? The second thing is, how, are you gonna, how do you get up off the ground when you're nine months pregnant? How did you get up off the ground? How uncomfortable was it? It was, it was pretty uncomfortable. It's pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. That's also one of the first things that I teach every single person is how to get up. I just had my ACL replaced three weeks ago. I, mean, I just like popped up off my knees. You just like, popped I up? Yeah, like, totally. You, you, like, do yeah. The, you do the, ki the, uh, the, the kip, kip up, right? Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. That's one thing I wish I could do so badly. I know. I it's just so amazing, right? Doesn't it look so cool? I wish I could. Like, I would do always, it every... Yeah. I would just lay down on the middle of the sidewalk uh -huh, and just kip up. I would just walk. Yeah, I wouldn't get anywhere. My wife would be like, stop it. Just stop it. You know, I just would always do that. So cool. So cool looking. Yeah. But, um, 
But no, there's a, every single workout should be pretty much the, the same as far as what, whether or not you're pregnant or not. You should still be doing a total body workout. Learn, learn how to stand up off the ground. I, t- I can teach you. Jason, what encouragement can you give to people wanting to start a fitness journey or are struggling to find the right type of workout for them? The first thing is, is we got to get out of the mindset of programming. Uh, what I mean by that is six week programs, 10 week programs, things like that. Fitness isn't that fitness is a lifelong journey. And I think people put too much stock into having fun while doing it as much as, and it's funny that I say that cause I really try to make my classes fun. I I'm goofy. Like I really don't want people to walk into my classroom and go, Oh, I got to do this. I try to be silly. If people know, if you take my class for five minutes, you're going to be like, this guy's a goofball. Yeah, I like to have fun while, while teaching you serious fitness, right? But it doesn't, and not every workout has to be fun. Like nobody, I wrote on the chalkboard out there this week, nobody ever has asked a dentist, how do I make flossing and brushing more fun? And you know what, you know what's funny? They still try to sell it, don't they? They still try to sell you a product. Well, fitness, the, the, the most important things in fitness, they're free. They're free. Get up, move your body in every range of motion you can, learn how to do it effectively and do that every single day. Just do it every single day. Don't make excuses and it's so easy. We will make every excuse in the book. Guess what, the funny thing is, I don't like working out. Ready for this? People don't believe me. Like, they don't believe, I I don't enjoy it anymore. That's why I do jujitsu, because jujitsu is a puzzle that I'm never gonna fit, solve the whole thing. And it's fun, I'm, I'm, it's these bits and pieces together. Oh, when this guy does this, I do this. And then, oh, there's a whole new field of submissions over here, I'm not good at that, I wanna start getting good at that. I'm never, like I said, my instructor who's been doing it since he was a little, since he was born, he's been doing jujitsu, is talking about playing around with new ways to, to do things to this day, right? Well, it's, it's nothing different, we, we cannot, Think of things, oh, as I have to enjoy this. You don't have to enjoy it. You just have to get out there and move your body effectively. You also have uh, an ethos for your classroom in general where, uh, you know, if you have kind of um, advanced students who have been there a while and Mm -hmm. then you have newcomers coming in that you really kind of keep it Mm shame-free and you don't want, you know, your kind of, you know, advanced students to look down on... Absolutely not. ...students that have never done this workout before or are struggling with the workout. And mm-hmm. you talk a lot about how those students then teach the new students. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the best. That's what it's all about. That really is the kind of environment that I want people to walk into is we are never more excited than when somebody is brand new, when somebody is... When somebody is walking in and that we can feel their energy of worrying about I'm, I'm out of shape. I hear that all the time. They're like, I can't go to the gym. I can't go to jujitsu. I'm too out of shape. I'm like, if your car is broken, you don't work on it before you go to the mechanic. You take that car to the mechanic. You just go and you take it to the mechanic and start working on it. Same thing here. I don't, we don't care if you think you're at your rock bottom. We don't care where you're at. Come on in. We're going to take care of you. Not only am I going to take care of you, I, like you said, I have all of my, my veteran crew that we're going to wrap our arms around you, sometimes literally, and give you a big hug that you need. And sometimes that's going to be the most important thing you need is just that hug to say, guess what? It's okay. The, 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 next, the last repetition doesn't matter. The next one does. So if you had a bad day before, right, we, we're always going to have that next thing. We just got to get to that next day. And we're all on this journey together. 
And I know you mentioned this, Jason, a little bit ago, but you recently underwent knee surgery, which would be difficult for anyone, but must be especially difficult for you as a trainer. Can you tell us a little bit about how that experience has been and how has it impacted you and how you teach? I feel so good right now. I am not tired. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, It's actually been a little bit of a blessing because probably one of the reasons that I hurt myself was I do have a tendency to push it. I do work seven days a week and I do train almost seven days a week and I try to find that balance between some days being a 10 some days and some days I'll do two five workouts in there and it just adds up um it's been nice to take a little break and step back for once and kind of feel a little refreshed and step and instead of concentrating so much on my own workouts uh I've been concentrating more on growing my jujitsu program and already this week, we had a record number of 14 people on the mats for the 6 a.m. class. That was my record before that was about 12 people, I think. So that's really exciting. And I'm just trying to find ways to, uh, to, to make beginners have an even easier time learning and feel proficient at jujitsu. And I've sat down and systematically done homework and wrote down all these moves. I'm like, can I teach this move that I've been teaching for 18 years? Can I teach it better? That's what I've been doing. Well, we certainly um, kind of are inspired by by speaking with you here, and I'm sure you inspire lots of your students and throughout the years. But can you tell us um, some more about the individuals in your life that have helped and encouraged you along your journey? Mr. Rogers. I'm not joking. He was one of the first people. Is that where you got your optimism from? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, But yes, a lot of TV folks uh, were my first inspirations because I was an only child and that was some of the first things that really that I saw were that were was how to treat people and how to be nice Mr. Rogers was a great one um but nowadays I have all of my instructors um Carlson Gracie Jr. Doug Tono who I take judo under is a, is a huge inspiration for me my catch wrestling coach Tony Cicchini and then my other wrestling coach Alex Matusev um all of these all of these people uh, all of my students really I see inspiration from that's really where I see a lot of my inspiration. I see my students at white belt level being so frustrated because they feel like they should know this move they've been doing thousands of times. And I'm like, I remember that. And sometimes I still feel that way, you know, and it, it's, it's okay. And I need to look at those people and go, oh yeah, that's right. I used to do that too. And I need to buck up for them. And some days when I'm not feeling like coming into work and I'm just like, God, I love my job, but I don't want to go today. Why? Why? I love the people I'm going to train. Why don't I want to go? I'm just tired. I'm just tired. Well, of course I'm going to go. I get to see and name off the, the whole list of names. I get to see every single day walking to the store. Cheetah has amazing people that work out here. I mean, that's, they're the best. If, if these members were different people, I don't know I would, if I'd be having such a good time. And uh, that's a great way to kind of segue into our lovely um, always question on this podcast, which is if you had the opportunity uh, to work anywhere else in this neighborhood for a day, do you know which business you might switch with? I would have one of the empty buildings. (laughs) And do what there? (laughs) Um, Well, it would be my own facility, you know, not to be, you know, but that would, if you're talking big dream Mm -hmm. or I would just make this place uh, you know I would take one of the rooms of cheat I would take this spin room over sorry spin people <laughs> something like that I I would you know ultimately as much as I love cheetah gym I have dreams of my own facility one day so I honestly if 
the martial arts and fitness industry drives, dries up somehow, I'm in trouble because I don't want to do anything else and I'm not really skilled to do anything else. <laughs> so I can't dream, I can't even fathom doing another job. I, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. That was a podcast first. So, um, well, thank you, Jason, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Jason Bender, please visit bendermartialarts.com. For a look at Jason's classes, please visit cheetahgym.com. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce. Find episodes streaming weekly on iTunes and Podbean with show notes available at andersonville.org.